It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. And thank you for subscribing. If you haven't already, you can do so. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com, click the subscribe button, or just search for my name. It's K-A-L-I-N-E-R. And uh, on any podcasting platform, it'll show up there. Um, Also, thank you to patrons of the program like Meredith, Dennis, Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, Trudy and Ron, Gene and Ben, they all became patrons of the program to help me out and uh, keep the show going, and I uh, appreciate uh, them doing so. We've been going now for over a year, so it is, uh, it, it, the concept has been proven. Proof of concept, check. <laughs> check, it has worked. Um, have you heard this story about the Jeopardy contestant? I have to admit, like, I mean, I... I don't watch I don't watch a lot of Jeopardy. I, I just don't. There was a time in my life when I would watch one every now and again. I had some roommates that liked it, and that's about it. Um, not that I don't like it. I just I've never been a huge fan of just sitting around watching game shows. Generally speaking, just sitting around watching television. I'm not a I'm not I, I choose not to spend my time doing that. That's not to say. I'm terribly active. I just, you know, I spend my time sitting around doing other things besides watching television, um, like movies. I, I like watching. Uh, I like watching movies. I like playing video games. I like reading and, um, yeah, watching videos, and you know, doing research for the show, doing more research for the show. Anyway. Um, this story about the Jeopardy contestant, I haven't been following all of this really very closely until I saw this story kind of pop where the contestant apparently was, uh, he was like a skinhead, as I understand it. That's what I'm to believe. Like he was like a neo-Nazi skinhead up there. He's like flashing all of these racist signs and stuff. I, I don't know, like was doing like the, the Hitler salute or something, the Nazi salute. No, it was the white power sign again. This is getting ridiculous, people. You know you're a joke, right? <laughs> people who think that this, the okay signal, or using it to, using the, the thumb to cross over the, the pointer finger, so the, la- you know, your other three fingers are extended for the number three, like, people think that this is white power. Kelly Donahue was the, uh, was the person, a guy by the name of Kelly Donahue. He had just won his third consecutive victory on Jeopardy!, and he held up his three fingers for the camera. And of course, outrage ensues. Here he is flashing white power signs on national television and Jeopardy didn't blur it out and he needs to be stripped of his title or whatever. Um, ben Smith at the New York Times did a deep dive on this <laughs> and discovered, yeah, it's not the white power sign. He literally, he literally just like, flashed the number three up there because the day before when he won his second uh, game show, he flashed two. And the first day that he won, he flashed one. See, so he's been consistent. Unless, of course, maybe he was just doing it all so he could get to the third victory so he could flash the white power sign, right? Anyway, Ben Smith at the New York Times takes a look and he says, the Jeopardy story is pretty remarkable. It's a case study for a couple of reasons. First, He says, quote, 
the participants represent a particular kind of American achievement, the mastery of facts and trivia celebrated by one of America's few universally beloved institutions. A turn on Jeopardy is the best credential there is in America. When my brother lost valiantly in 2017, it generated more familial excitement than his Ph.D. <laughs> right. I bet it did. Right. I bet he got more questions about his time on Jeopardy than his Ph.D. And Ben Smith says, I would say, after talking to a couple of dozen former contestants last week, they, that they are not just smart people, but basically nice and sincere ones, too. They're from diverse backgrounds all over the country, united only by their ability to recall Madonna lyrics and capital cities. Uh, and uh, second, Snopes, the website that, you know, debunks rumors online. Snopes is right. Mr. Donahue's case is unusually clear cut. The allegation is obviously false, but it doesn't matter. This is why... Uh, we on the right have now taken to calling these conspiracy theories on the left. We call them blue anon, like the left uses QAnon for the right. These are blue anon conspiracies and they exist. The difference is they get when the conspiracies exist on the right, they get examined and then projected upon all people on the right. When they're on the left, um, they get ignored or sometimes even just kind of adopted by <laughs> by mainstream lefties. Um Ed Morrissey over at HotAir.com, he says media outlets have assumed that conspiracy thinking is limited to the so-called evidence-free right. However, there's plenty of nonsense conspiracy theories on the left over the years as well, because human beings love to embrace accusations that fit their preconceived notions, right? Preconceived notions. So all you got to do is get some of those and then everything makes sense, <laughs> which is going to dovetail into my... Uh, my theatrical reading of a Twitter debate with a public radio uh, voice or a data reporter. Actually, I don't even know. Is he on air? Uh, I haven't cared enough to do any more research on it. But yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But um, this is it. Preconceived ideas. Okay. So you have these preconceived ideas and then it allows you to project the result you wish upon the people or the circumstance. The case of the hand signals and more broadly, as Morrissey writes, dog whistles. These are particular to the left's obsession with so-called intrinsic racism. And I've been pointing this out for years, that when the people who are like, oh, that's a racist dog whistle. If you hear the dog whistle, you're the dog. OK, you're the dog. You're hearing this thing at a pitch that only racisty people can hear. And you're hearing it. Because literally nobody around us, is, we're like, no, we didn't hear anything. No, didn't hear anything. Oh, the guy flashed up a three sign. That's a what? You're that's a white. You're saying that's a white power sign. You think the guy who just won Jeopardy and flashed a one on the first victory and a two on the second victory and then a three on the third victory? You think that's just the white power sign he was doing there? That's not a three. Or the guy on the basketball court, he does the three or OK symbol. That's a, that's not an OK. It's it's all white power. You realize where that all started from, too, right? Yeah, it was a, it was a laugh. They were just it was a spoof. It was a it was a trick played on the left by these 4chan website trolls. These guys who sit around and make up things to trick people with and to do things to trick people. And 
this is one of the things they came up with. They said, hey, everybody, because they plan it. Like you get into their forums and you can engage in the planning. And they sat around, they said, hey, let's plan this operation where we're going to convince media people that the OK sign is actually white power. And they were successful and they did it because the media loves a good racisty story. Again, preconceived ideas. So this obsession that the left has with these dog whistles and everything's a sign of racism. Anybody making this OK signal is now presumed to be a racist and no amount of explanation is sufficient. And in this instance, Donahue was explicitly using it to express his third win. And he had used his hands to celebrate his previous two wins as well. The real lesson, Morrissey writes about Ben Smith's article in the New York Times. He says the real essay, uh, 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 the real lesson from the essay is there really isn't a partisan or ideological component to human vulnerability to conspiracy theories. Right. People buy into this stuff because they want to, because it's easy. And if the COVID era hasn't made that crystal clear, <laughs> everybody seems to be very, very interested in adopting uh, uh, theories that prove their prior beliefs, right? Now, here's a prior belief I have when I walked in uh, to do the show. General Equipment Rental is the best place to go to get your rental equipment. It is a prior belief. I fully acknowledge it. No conspiracy, though. Unless, of course, maybe they're conspiring to give you great deals on equipment that you need to get your projects done. That's possible. I can't be sure. Um what do you think it means? General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. They've got all of the equipment that you need. Like I said, they get got uh, generators, tillers, mowers, pressure washers. Uh, they service what they sell as well. They're your Honda and Husqvarna uh, specialists. Uh, not only that, they're the official licensed uh, dealers, sales and service providers for both of those brands. And that means they're experts in, in these uh, pieces of equipment. So if you want to buy some, they're your place. They're your place. You can pick up uh, mowers and blowers. They've got gas and battery power tools. Whatever you need, they have got. And they can help you not only make the right decision on the right tool. Like, sometimes people get a little bit crazy. Okay, guys, sometimes mostly, get a little bit crazy when they're getting power tools. And it's a guy thing. And uh, and so maybe, you know, you need somebody to kind of direct you like that's too much. You don't need all of that, Tim, the tool man. <laughs> you don't need all of that power. Uh, they'll help you pick the right tool for the project that you're doing. General Equipment Rental, family owned and operated in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. And uh, tell them you heard it here on the podcast. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. And think outside your toolbox. Next up is a piece by Zaid Jelani. He's he's a writer at Persuasion.com. He is a journalist based in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, he previously worked for The Intercept and the Center for American Progress. So hardly a conservative. <laughs> okay. The Center for American Progress. Um, he's got a piece at Persuasion, which is that they are left of center publication, which, by the way, I probably read more left of center publications than I read right of center. But be that as it may, the Biden administration, sorry, the headline on this piece is what's race got to do with it? The Biden administration is rolling out economic support for American restaurants, an initiative set into motion by the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. And he celebrates that. It's great. You know, thank goodness we got this done. You might imagine, he says, that a rational way to prioritize these funds would be by need, right? But if you start filling out an application to participate in the Restaurant Revitalization Fund, as the program is called, 
you'll find that for the first 21 days, it will prioritize small businesses that are at least 51% owned by one or more individuals who are women, veterans, or socially and economically disadvantaged. The last part includes individuals who, quote, have been subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice or cultural bias as a member of a group without regard to their individual qualities. So this is an equity play. And equity sounds a lot like equality, but it's not equality. See, equity is discriminatory by its very nature. Equity is going to help some other people out, give them a little bit extra. And if that means we have to withhold some stuff from someone over here, then we will do that as well. See, equity gives you a lot of room to wiggle when you need to. If I need to engage in some current discrimination uh, in order to rectify past discrimination, uh, to quote an anti-racist philosopher of the modern times, uh, then so be it. That's what must be done. So uh, he says it's notable that uh, some individuals in these categories that are listed are actually more economically secure than white Americans are. For instance, Asian Americans, they're one of the protected classes. They get to go to the head of the line to get the restaurant uh, revitalization money. But Asian Americans, on average, they out earn all other racial groups, including whites. So they get to go to the front of the line. Another example says, witness, for instance, the city of Oakland, California, partnering with private donors to set up a guaranteed income pilot program. And it's going to offer, uh, by the way, when I threw this suggestion out to the Asheville City Council members who were in a um, uh, Facebook group, I said, look, why don't you guys do this? This and and candidates. There were a couple candidates. Um, This was several years ago. I said, look, if you if you're trying to do this, you you know, you're you're lamenting the affordability of housing and and the lack of jobs and the low pay. And we would raise the minimum wage like you guys should go ahead and pursue a basic guaranteed income. Oh, we can't do that. Sure, you could. In fact, I even asked the governor for them because I knew the governor at the time, Pat McCrory. And when I had him on the show, I said, hey, Pat, like. Is this something you think that they could do? You're mayor for seven terms down in Charlotte. He says, yeah, the city could try to do something like that. He says, I would oppose it, but they could do it. But they didn't. They were like, oh, Pete's laying a trap. He's just trying to trap you. I'm like, I'm just offering up a solution because you know me. I am all about solutions. And so I don't know why you're rejecting it because it's coming from me and it's clearly what you want to do. Anyway, Oakland is pursuing this idea. They're going to give an unconditional $500 cash grant to low-income families, but there is a catch. The program is only available to racial minorities. (laughs) So, it's yeah, in Oakland, is, is there any reason, he says, why poor white people would not need this money? The typical race conscious progressive response is that minorities are simply worse off than white people. And while that may be true for some, it's certainly not true for all. Using racial stereotypes to approximate the condition of somebody's life has a pretty dark history in the U.S., and it remains unlikely to result in government policy that treats everybody fairly. Precisely. It's the point, though, Zaid. That's the point. Um, but But he makes a really good point there, I think, though, which is using racial stereotypes to approximate the condition of somebody's life. This is what, who was it? Was it Biden? I think it was Biden who said something like, Uh, you know, uh, juxtaposed, you know, rich versus black or something like that in one of his speeches. How do you get to that point? Like, why would you assume that someone's race dictates 
their economic status. Why would you assume that? Uh, is that a dog whistle? Sorry, did I just hear? I may have just heard a dog. I, I can't be sure. I really cannot be sure. If you look at polling from Pew Research, a large majority of Americans actually oppose race and ethnicity being considered during hiring and promotions. That includes majorities of every single racial group. It's kind of like voter ID. It's one of these ideas and vouchers, these ideas that enjoy widespread support among all racial demographics, but still progressives oppose them. (laughs) Democrats oppose them. Um, Americans simply don't think it will end very well if we try to apportion the opportunities in this country by race. We understand that we need to do more to promote a fair shot for everybody. The same Pew poll cited above shows that most people support workplace diversity, right? I do, like as a concept, absolutely. I'm fine with it, sure. And it's it's better to have a diverse group of people in a workplace than to not, because people come from different backgrounds and they have experiences, and the more people of different backgrounds and experiences, chances are, the better prepared you are to find solutions to problems that might arise. People approach things differently. That's a good thing. But... We also know that simply rewarding people based on the color of their skin is discrimination. And ultimately, we cannot fight discrimination with discrimination. Unlike what an anti-racist modern philosopher has posited. (laughs) This is, uh, you can hear, I'm going, I'm getting to the, the exchange. And it's a lengthy exchange that I had with the public radio data reporter. Republicans seize on conservative backlash against critical race theory is the headline of this next piece. (laughs) The Republicans are seizing on the conservative backlash. So here you go. So now Republicans not satisfied to pounce and seize on things that Democrats do. Now they're pouncing and seizing on things that conservatives are doing, things that conservatives say. I love this idea, like, where you uh, you do something and then it prompts a reaction and then that is now uh, cast as you seizing on me doing this thing that prompted your reaction. So you're seizing on my action. And that's the, the frame of the story. By the way, that only works when the Republicans are seizing. If Republicans do something and Democrats seize, it's not seizing. They're just reacting. It's a, one of the rules of journalism. Anyway, Republicans say that the issue will likely help galvanize the cultural conservative base in upcoming elections. Quote, it offers Republicans a great opportunity to educate people about what we actually believe about race, said Terry Schilling, the executive director of the conservative think tank, the American Principles Project. And that's true, by the way. That's true. This The debate about critical race theory actually allows conservatives the space to make their arguments and to state where they are on uh, on equality and anti-discrimination efforts and such, because for so long, the left frames the Republicans as always the racist. Well, now the left is promoting obviously discriminatory policy that kind of veers into racism every now and again as well. And people notice this, you know, people notice this sort of thing <laughs> when you start when you start segregating groups out by race and then saying you're bad for being your race and you need to do things because of your race. You need to apologize because of your race. You need to, you know, be punished somehow and carry the guilt. And by the way, you are you ha- you are racist to your core because of the skin color. Like when you start saying these things, 
people who don't have any formal academic training in any of this anti-racism BS, but they, they recognize it pretty quickly <laughs> that this is racism. <laughs> and uh, they're putting people through the these uh, these trainings and people are getting firsthand experience with it. And now the Democrats are trying to pretend, oh, that's not what we were doing. That's, that's not us at all. No, no, I don't know. What, 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 what do you mean? No, we're, we're just trying to teach the real history. Speaking of real stuff, real U.S. military surplus. It's available at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. You knew that. Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde on Main Street for more than three decades. Your source for top quality American-made military surplus. He's got backpacks. He's got ammo cans. He's got camp stoves. He's got first aid kits. He's got gun accessories. He's got it all. He's got everything. Okay, go down. See my friend Tim at Old Grouch's Military Surplus shop is open Monday through Saturday. It is across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. Tell him I sent you. You can also check him out online 24-7 at oldgrouch.com. So this guy, Terry Schilling, the executive director of the American Principles Project, quoted in this piece at The Hill, says that his organization was considering wading into the fight over the academic movement by running and testing the effectiveness of ads ahead of 2022. Republicans are looking to tie Democrats to critical race theory in an effort to paint them as radical. Well, if they're defending it and it's radical, then it's not really us painting you as radical. (laughs) Right. Critical race theory was developed in the 1970s and 80s by a number of American legal scholars who argued racism is rooted in the nation's founding and that systemic racism continues to have a negative impact on the opportunities and treatment of people of color at all levels of society today. That is the Hill's description. That is not a complete definition. They then say in one sentence, but opponents of the theory say it teaches students to disparage the U.S. and works to sow racial divisions in classrooms. That's not a complete description either. I wonder why the Hill wouldn't write. Well, they probably don't even know it. They probably are not even aware of what critical race theory is about. This is one of the it's like I feel like I have. Well, this is very similar to the the Second Amendment arguments, gun control arguments that I have with gun control people is that you start arguing with them. They say something and like you immediately realize, oh, they don't really know what they're talking about. Oh, it's easier to get a gun than it is to get a voter ID. Okay, well, that's not true at all. (laughs) In fact, you need the ID to get the gun. So that's not true. So like by like prima facie evidence, it's untrue. So uh, you realize quickly in this debate that a lot of people that you're discussing this stuff with don't actually know what critical race theory is. They haven't maybe been through these trainings themselves. Um, they just, you know, read a, a description like that and they think, oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Do you not do you not know the history? I'm not going to go over the history of critical race theory. I've done it enough times on this program. But a poll released last month from the Parents Defending Education found 58 of respondents said they did not believe students should be taught that the country was founded on racism and remains structurally racist today. And then at the end of the article, it says the issue has shown its potential to galvanize the conservative base. Some strategists say leaning into critical race theory may not be the right messaging uh, messaging move in growing and diversifying suburban areas, which could play a determining factor in upcoming races. So there you go. There's the warning. Hey, you guys. Don't overreach on this, which is always what happens. See, so when the scandal involves a Republican, the story is the scandal, right? When a story, uh, when a scandal involves a Democrat, 
the story is the Republican response to it. And it usually is framed as Republicans better not overreach on this scandal. Because, you know, if they tie the Democrats too closely, too tightly to this radical idea, you know, they might suffer a backlash for that. Not kidding. It's the common narrative that gets adopted and you can see it being crafted right now. Then you've got, and I have to admire Gene Nickel, contributing columnist for the editorial board at the Charlotte Observer, the McClatchy Papers. He is the Boyd Tinsley Distinguished Professor of Law at the University of North Carolina, a raging leftist moonbat, okay? Raging leftist. And Gene Nickel, he gets taxpayer funds to do all this stuff, and he gets to to, uh, write with and help the editorial board at McClatchy in this state. And he had a piece under his own name, uh, Critical Race Theory Bill asks North Carolina schools to lie. Now, I don't know who wrote the headline because whatever I, you know, whenever I challenge, you know, these headlines that the newspapers use, uh, the the reporters or whatever, they're always like, well, I didn't write the headline. Oh, I don't have any control over that. You know, nobody ever writes the headline. The, the headlines just appear. <laughs> you just, they just, they're just like magically delivered by Stork or something. I'm not sure. So nobody ever takes credit for writing the headline. So I won't pin the headline on Gene Nickel, except for the fact that he actually says it in the piece. So I'm going to say they uh, doesn't matter who wrote the headline, they could have just ripped it from his piece because that's what he says in the piece. That critical race theory bill that the North Carolina House passed uh, asks North Carolina schools to lie. Uh, and uh, for no, it doesn't. It, that is a lie itself. First off, um, if, if, if I agreed with the premise that what the bill did was tell teachers to lie, it would actually be that they demanded that the teachers lie, but they didn't do that either. Anyway, Kimberly Crenshaw, he quotes in this piece, a founder of critical race theory who teaches at Columbia and UCLA has explained that, quote, everything builds on what came before. And the so-called American experience was not simply a matter of prejudice, but a matter of structured disadvantages across society. Critical race theorists have taken up the task of exploring the role law played in establishing practices of exclusion and disadvantage. Okay, that's so this is the outgrowth, remember, from uh, the critical legal studies, which came out of critical theory, which was Marxist and neo-Marxist with Gramsci, Antonio Gramsci, right? That, that's, the, that's the lineage here, and it's not a very long lineage. Critical studies... Uh, or a, a critical theory then led to critical legal studies, and that was in the 60s. And then the critical race theory comes along in, like, the 90s. So it's this isn't very, um, it's not a very, you know, deep and rich, you know, hundreds of years old <laughs> uh, uh, line of thinking here, right? This is, and it, by the way, it is all theory, remember. This is all theory, but people really believe it to be true, Um and she doesn't mention anything about the Marxism, and she doesn't mention anything about the discrimination. She doesn't mention anything about equity here. That's just the quote that he pulls in order to give you the best impression of what critical race theory uh, could be interpreted as. The bill prohibits schools from contracting with, hiring, or otherwise engaging speakers, consultants, diversity trainers, and other persons who promote critical race theory concepts. That means our students won't be allowed to hear school programs from the likes of David Zucchino. Who, uh, who did uh, Wilmington's Lie, The Murderous Coup of 1898 and the Rise of White Supremacy. It might wound their fragile sensibilities to learn where we come from. Okay, again, teach history. That's what all the opponents of critical race theory say. You should teach history. Teach the bad, teach the good. 
But I give Gene Nickel credit because he says the bill prohibits schools from contracting with people who promote critical race theory concepts. And that means our students won't be allowed to hear programs from people who promote these concepts. At least he's admitting that these people are promoting critical race theory in our schools. Because up until this guy wrote this piece, all I've heard from Democrats and the left but in the media, uh, but I repeat myself, is that the critical race theory is not being taught in the schools. This is a critical race theory. I don't know where you get that idea. You're just trying to smear us as Marxists. So credit where it's due. He is at least... <laughs> acknowledging that that is occurring and he would very much like it to continue because he doesn't well i don't know i don't know what he believes and what he knows about critical race theory he could be ignorant or he could be trying to mislead you so i'm not sure um and that now leads to uh the debate over this bill that was passed in the house and representative john bell the house majority leader uh he sent out a tweet saying passed the nc house just voted to prohibit North Carolina schools from promoting discriminatory concepts like critical race theory. And again, I've done previous shows on this. You can go back and listen to the shows to find out all about the bill. I'm not getting into the the details of the bill, except he frames it as promoting discriminatory concepts like uh, like critical race theory. And so this is where the data reporter for uh, WUNC an NPR affiliate in the Raleigh metro area. Jason De Bruyne, or De Bruyne, De Bruyne, De Bruyne, De Bruyne. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, he, he takes a quote from that tweet that I just read and retweets it just with that quote. So he, it's called the pull quote in the biz. You pull the quote out of what was said and you highlight it. And without taking, he, he doesn't make any formal, articulate assertion about what is being said. But it is obvious what the implication is. He disagrees. And he is attacking John Bell, the Republican uh, uh, majority leader in the House. He's attacking John Bell for calling it a discriminatory concept. Because that's what he pulled. Quote, discriminatory concepts like critical race theory. And he just pulls the quote and slaps it out there and, and, and sends it out. Um, as if to say something, which, dude, if you're going to say something, just freaking say something. Like, take the stand, make the position, right? Make your argument. But no, he doesn't even do that. He's just like, oh, discriminatory guns. He's trolling is what he's doing. He's trolling. So I see this. And I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's go. I'll do it. Just like you should go to Mattress Man, mattressmanstores.com. Just go. Do it. Be my Huckleberry. Go down to Mattress Man and get yourself a new mattress. And right now you can get a free box spring uh, with the purchase of a mattress that's part of the Biltmore collection made by Restonic and inspired by our very own local landmark, the Biltmore Estate. Mattress Man is an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore collection. Um, You get these are fantastic mattresses. Obviously, they're Biltmore. And uh, so you got luxurious design. You got new world exclusive technology and old world craftsmanship. They've got, uh, you know, edge to edge sleep surfaces, maximum adjustability, five support zones so your spine stays aligned. And you get optimal balance of pressure point relief and support so you get a healthier sleep. You wake up more restored, right? Uh, you're not tired when you roll out of bed. And Synchrony Finance offers zero down, zero interest for 72 months. 
for qualified applicants. They have tons of flexible financing options, so they've got something to help you out there. All you got to do is go to mattressmanstores.com. You click the financing link, you apply, you can get pre-approved right now, and then when you go into the store, you're already approved. Five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping as well. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. You can find them all by going to mattressmanstores.com as well as check out all of the inventory and the deals. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. So I go over and I check out this guy's profile, Jason DeBruin and uh, DeBruin, DeBrown, DeBrun. Anyway, I go check out Jason's Twitter profile, and he's got, you know, if you've looked at Twitter, they've got, you could put a, a picture, like, for a banner, like, up at the top, you know, it's like, and Facebook does the same thing, you can put a big banner, uh, you know, a lot of people do, uh, you know, background landscape shots, stuff like that, and then there's a little round circle where your face goes, right, and you put your little avatar face or whatever in that space. Guy's wearing two masks. All right, so he's got one mask in one shot <laughs> showing off that he's masked. And then he's got another picture in the background, you know, the big landscape shot. And that is a picture of him literally leading a protest march. That's the that's what he's conveying. It's this like, you know, badass walking from an explosion in the movie theater kind of a walk, kind of a strut. He's got like a backpack on. He's got a mask over his face. He's got sunglasses on. And there's this mob of people marching with a big sign behind him <laughs> like 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 he's like he's leading them in this march very subtle right very subtle so i see his tweet right and he says you know discriminatory concepts like critical race theory i need to adopt the npr voice if this theatrical reading is actually going to work okay so then i respond to him i say please elaborate on why you disagree i thought that i'm just asking like give us some ex- explanation why you disagree so he says I'll be happy to. First, can you even describe what critical race theory is? And then some other idiot jumps in and says, something, something Marxist, something, something liberal. And Jason DeBrun replies, that's about as intelligent of an answer as I expected. So right out of the gate, see, he's got a preconceived idea, right? He's got a couple of them. First, He's, he's challenging me to define critical race theory for him. And by the way, I recognize this as a tactic because I've seen enough of these debates online about critical race theory. This is what they do. Because they, they want you to define what it is, and then they will spend all of their time telling you that you're wrong. And that becomes the debate, and then the debate ends. Because people, you know, just, they, they walk away at some point. Or somebody gets blocked or whatever. And so it's not even a matter of, uh, it's not an on- so right out of the gate. It's not an honest approach to the discussion. Mine was. I asked him, "Please elaborate on why you disagree," and he says he'd be happy to. But then, before I answer, can you even describe what critical race theory is? And then the guy, one of his followers, says, uh, "You know, something, something Marxist." And then he says, "That's about as intelligent of an answer I'd expected." So he's insulting me right out of the gate, like. Pete Callender, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. So I responded to him. I said, look, I, I know what it is. I've done several shows on it. But I'm asking you why you think it's not a discriminatory concept. And I'm happy to go along with whatever, you know, whatever um, definition you come up with. He says, 
It'll be far more helpful if we can first agree on what critical race theory is to begin with. And since you're the expert, Y-O-U-R, you're the expert, can you please define it for me? Said, I recognize this as a common approach to discussing CRT, requiring the opponent of critical race theory to define the term. So I'm going to respectfully pass on your attempt here and allow you to define it as it's obvious you're implying superior understanding of the subject. So go for it. Right back at him. You define it. I'm not implying anything. You're the one who has done several shows on it, so I figured you would know about it. I said, I do know about it. I assume you do as well. Otherwise, why would you have tweeted your original tweet, right? As such, your demand for credentials seems more of a distraction from defending your assertion, which is why I'm offering you to define critical race theory. So he does from Wikipedia. (laughs) He pulls Wikipedia. Uh Uh-huh. Wikipedia does it pretty well. And so I said, LOL, I don't know why I expected something more than a wiki leak. But okay, cool, whatever. Now, please elaborate on why you don't find critical race theory to be a a discriminatory concept. Okay? Because, see, to me, the the arriving at a definition of what critical race theory is, that, that, that was a distraction, a deflection that he attempted. And so it didn't matter to me what he comes back with. I laughed because it's Wikipedia. And you're a freaking reporter. <laughs> and you give me a wiki link? Okay, whatever. Why um, uh, you are the expert. So um, Wikipedia posts it up and Wikipedia has it as critical race theory loosely unified by two common themes. First, that white supremacy exists and maintains power through law. And second, transforming the relationship between law and racial power and also achieving racial emancipation and anti-subordination more broadly are possible. Okay, so that's what the the definition was. Again, it doesn't matter to me because that's not the point. The point is I want him to defend his assertion. And so then he does a little eye roll emoji and he says, "Okay, well, let's have your definition then. And if your argument is CRT is discriminatory because it accurately teaches the discrimination faced by black people, I'd say the bigger problem is the actual discrimination, not the teaching about it. I said again, with the demand to define a theory, I've already agreed with your offering. All I'm asking for is an elaboration on why you don't find critical race theory to be a discriminatory concept which was the point of your initial tweet. And then he says, I interpreted from your sarcasm that you didn't like the Wikipedia definition. Am I wrong on that? Do you like the definition? How is simply teaching about discrimination itself discriminatory? Is teaching about wars an act of war? I said, yes, I accepted your wiki quote. I've asked you, I've asked for you to elaborate on why you don't find critical race theory to be a discriminatory concept. I'd note that your last tweet indicates a belief that CRT is, quote, simply teaching about discrimination. But your own Wikipedia entry contradicts that, buddy. The Wikipedia entry says, quote, transforming the relationship between law and racial power is possible. So I think we can both agree that this is an active purpose, not simply teaching about discrimination, right? He says, sure, teaching with the hope of making the world more equitable. In fact, to end discrimination. And then he asks, so uh, accepted and agree with our different, uh, do you agree with the definition? 
I said, oh my God. I said, I accepted your definition for purposes of the debate. I am sure we agree that the discipline of critical race theory is far more expansive than the pull quote from Wikipedia. Similarly, reducing it to simply teaching about discrimination minimizes what the philosophy aims to do. But the topic of discussion here is why you believe that it's not discriminatory. You implied this assertion with your initial tweet. I asked if you would elaborate. You said you'd be happy to. In the same sense that teaching about war would be at least partially aimed at preventing future wars. So that's not that's not necessarily true either. That's one possibility, of course. But teaching about war is useful to win more wars, right? You don't teach people about war simply to prevent future wars. You teach people about war so they may wage war, too. There are different reasons for this thing. Like, is this guy this dense? Well, it it shall become pretty clear. Because <laughs> then he says, are you a bot or am I taking crazy pills? I've been elaborating. CRT is teaching about discrimination. Teaching about a thing is not the same as being that thing. To the extent a theory can be action, it strives to bring equity, the literal opposite of discrimination. This kid doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, this was the this was the uh, uh, the epiphany moment. I said, I'm quite certain you know I'm not a bot. You keep saying critical race theory is teaching about discrimination as if that explains your premise, that it's not discriminatory. But it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not a defense when you say, oh, it's not discriminatory. It's teaching people about discrimination. Those two ideas are mutually exclusive. One does not require the other. Further, the notion that equity is the literal opposite of discrimination that is patently absurd and false. The fact that he would say that now indicates to me the kid doesn't know what he's talking about. He's working off of Google search entries from Wikipedia to try to mount a defense. He just knows he's supposed to adopt this position. He knows he's supposed to defend critical race theory and attack all comers uh, that criticize it. That's what that's I suspect what he's going for here. He sees himself white knighting. No racial pun intended. <laughs> He's defending the cause, like marching in the front of a parade or a protest march, if you will. And by the way, you know, like the, the kicker on that that photo is that he's marching at the front of this mob uh, or this, sorry, this protest march. <laughs> I don't know what their march was, but he's marching in front of the uh, of this protest. And, you know, he's there covering it. That's why he's in front of everybody with the big sign. It's like one of those big signs. You know, it's like 10 foot wide signs take up the whole street. You know, it takes like eight people to carry it at the front of the parade or the march. And he's in front of that. And he's walking like probably 15 feet ahead of it. And so, you know, someone took that picture. Now, was that staged? I got questions. But he's walking in front of that thing. And he's like, you know, like I'm with them. Dude, you were there covering it. But way to blur the line. <laughs> Way to blur the line and use that as your profile pic to send the message. I'm down with you, even though I was paid to be there by a government funded, the gov the same government that he says is the oppressor, right? That funds his position. <laughs> he's <laughs> oh, he's a white kid, too. Yeah, he's totally white. Uh, yeah, totally white. Not that that matters. And I'm not ascribing any kind of motives or any inherent qualities about him based on that, because that would be racist. That would be like critical race theory does. That's not what I'm doing. Now, uh, what I am doing is telling you, 
to use Rowena Patton to buy or sell a home. Christy and I, we're using Rowena to buy our house. You should too. And uh, she is the uh, uh, Homes for Heroes agent in Asheville. This is a national program. Gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. And she's given back $800,000 so far to local folks who are police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So uh, veterans, active duty, and retirees. Sorry, no NPR people qualify. But look, I don't qualify for it either. But you can go give her a call, get your house sold quickly and for more money. She has homes in all price points if you're looking to buy. Uh, Give her a call at 828-333-4483. That's 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com. Tell her I sent you and then start packing. So he then says, if if equity and discrimination are not opposites, then what are equity and discrimination? What would be a more acceptable answer? I said, look, my response to the whole, you know, teaching about war analogy is a pretty good example of why this doesn't explain the premise. Simply teaching about something doesn't automatically prove the intent or purpose. As I said, simply teaching about war doesn't mean I'm teaching how to avoid it. I could be simply teaching about war uh, and teaching people to go to war, right? I said, your initial implied assertion was that critical race theory is not discriminatory. So an effort to support that position could look something like CRT teaches that all people should be treated the same under law, regardless of race or sex. See, that's easy. That's how you would defend the assertion that critical race theory is discriminatory. And you say, that's not true. They say, how is it not true? Well, because critical race theory teaches everybody should be treated the same under law, regardless of race or sex, right? We should not discriminate. That's how you would defend your position, Jason. But he can't. He can't. Because critical race theory doesn't espouse that. So he says, um, critical race theory and specifically the teaching of it in schools is largely stating a fact. He says it doesn't mean either that you're teaching how to start a war either. Stating a fact like World War II happened, the U.S. has been built on a system of white supremacy, is not in itself discriminatory. I said I I agree that it's not necessarily teaching how to start a war. And that's precisely what I have been saying. Why, Why your statement doesn't work. Your statement, when you said that CRT is simply teaching discrimination, that does not convey or reveal intended purpose. So that's what we're trying to get to, intended purpose, because that's the premise that you said. You said that it's not discriminatory, right? That it's So therefore, tell me what its intended purpose is. How does it operate? And you say, well, it's just simply teaching about discrimination, and that's not the case. So... Um, I then said, uh, he says, so how can it be discriminatory? Are you gaslighting me right now? I said, no. I said, you stated critical race theory and the teaching of it in schools is largely stating a fact. That's what he said. So is it your understanding that critical race theory teaches that all discrimination is bad and that it should all be condemned? And he says, Well, I suppose there are some cases where discrimination is warranted, but as it's generally understood, I would think critical race theory condemns discrimination. But that's not really the main point of CRT, is it? The main points are that black people have and continue to face racism every day. I said, look, 
The main point is not the subject of our discussion, buddy. I did not say buddy. I'm, I, I am, I'm, I'm giving you some extra uh, theatrical uh, flourishes here. Um, well, I'm making it my own. I'm just working off a script. You, you know, you cannot contain this kind of muse, you know? Anyway, I said your original tweet implied that critical race theory was not discriminatory. Uh, that is. That's the main point, okay? The main point of critical race theory is not the purpose of this dis- of this discussion. It's your assertion. But I see now that you acknowledge that discrimination is indeed part of critical race theory, which is precisely what John Bell originally tweeted, which prompted your response, because he literally says, I suppose there are some cases where discrimination is warranted. Yeah, so it's discriminatory, which is what John Bell said. He says... LOL, this is textbook gaslighting. That's not even remotely close to what I said. I literally said that's not the point of critical race theory. In fact, the point is to teach about the discrimination against black people. Oh, my God. Good grief, dude. I said we're not discussing the main point of critical race theory. That's what I said. That's what I said. (laughs) Let's recap. Bell called it discriminatory. You said it's not. And now you acknowledge that it does permit some discrimination. These are the only relevant parts to discussing your claim. That's what we're focused on. See, because this is what drives them nuts. They make a claim, and then when you try to go at them over their claim, defend your assertion, they want to discuss all of these other things. No, 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 no. You got to keep dragging them back to the main point. The contention is that it's not discriminatory. And within nine tweets... He now admits that it does have some discrimination in it, and some of it would be okay. Hence, it is discriminatory, but he doesn't want to acknowledge that. Now he knows, like he knows he just got pinned here. He knows that. And so now he's going to get even more flustered. Um, I said, if you acknowledge that it permits some discrimination, this would indicate Bell's description was accurate. Yours was not. When a philosophy permits discrimination, even in part based on race, then that philosophy is by definition discriminatory. That's what's going on here. Um, And then I I mentioned uh, Ibram X. Kendi and uh, his quote uh, where... um, you know, Kenny said the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. He then accuses me of taking that quote out of context. And I said, you may claim that the discrimination is in service to a noble goal of equity, but you may not claim that it's not discrimination. As such, the theory and philosophy is discriminatory um, because CRT does not condemn all discrimination. And then I, I give him the Kendi quote and he says, well, Kendi calls for equity. Um Though it tracks to the oppressor, equity would seem like discrimination. So in other words, equity seems like discrimination because you're racist. (laughs) See, now he's a, you're racist, you're racist. He then says, the only one of us consistently and intentionally misrepresenting the conversation is you, which is literally gaslighting, um, which is not true. I gave him the candy quote. I said it was not out of context. Uh, And even if it was out of context, you're ascribing motivation of me, which you don't even know me. Um, You're assuming that I'm trying to lie to you. I have not done that of him. Um, And then I said, uh, because then he says to me, if you steal $10 from me and police come to take that $10 from you to give it back to me, have the police stolen from you in the same way that you have stolen from me? That's the analogy you are making uh, with your literal interpretation. 
And I said, well, you left out the part where the cop comes to take the money from me based solely on my immutable characteristics. You know, the discriminatory part. (laughs) Try again. Maybe you'll come up with a proof of your assertion this time. The guy, he's trying. Okay, he's trying. He comes up with this stupid ten dollar analogy that I steal from him. Cops come and take the 10 back from me and gives it back to him. And he says, so is is that, uh, are the cops stealing from you? No, but if someone else stole, if some white guy stole 10 bucks from you and the cops come to me and they're like, hey, you're a white guy, give me 10 bucks, I'm going to give it to that guy. That is, <laughs> that is stealing because I didn't take your money. That other person did. So then he starts in on this. Are you saying you have never benefited from white supremacy? You don't have to be a snowflake about it. There's no law against gaslighting. I'm just pointing it out. So he keeps saying gaslighting, and I I mock him for not knowing what the term means. And then he says snowflake, which, and so I started laughing at him. And now it's like, dude, you don't even know how to use that term correctly either. I said, this is hilarious. You've used two intellectually weak ad hominem insults in your arsenal and you've just blown them both in a completely impotent manner i apparently overestimated your abilities and uh i said uh you're and i then called him a racist government-funded journalist who's trying to run a twitter struggle session he is a caricature and then he says the ironic thing about this is that we've backed into an actual discussion on critical race theory i said it's not ironic at all this is every conversation with the congregants of the church of anti-racism this is how it always goes you've been scrambling for a day that's how long this unfolded a day on twitter to climb to a perch from where you believe you'll have command of the conversation. I call it a struggle session for a reason, but you're not trained to one one. You're just a modern goody de Bruin calling people witches so you don't get called one yourself. You can find it all on Twitter unless he's deleted it by now. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.